All right, well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here. It's good to see you all on the screen that I'm looking at. Hi, Peter and Abel. Good to see your faces. <laughs> it's like the only time a camera's ever been on, ever. I love it, which is not true, but you know, yeah. Good to see you guys. All right, a couple quick announcements before we get started today. Um, in two weeks, it is Easter Sunday, and we have a big celebration planned for Easter Sunday um, because it is also the 30th anniversary of CCIC South Valley. So our church began, yeah, you could, we, could, we could applaud for that. That's great, a little bit. <laughs> it's like the slow like, buildup of, of I, I love it. All right, so yeah, our church began Easter Sunday, 1992, and we want to celebrate 30 years of God's faithfulness. Um, so preparing you now, our Easter service, which will be combined, will begin at 9.30 a.m., and it will, it'll be a longer service because there will be um, several people getting baptized that day. And then Uncle Rupert, our senior pastor, he'll be sharing a message with us, which is appropriate given that he was here when our church began 30 years ago. And so it'll be really exciting to hear about 30 years of uh, faithfulness um, and how God's been at work in our church. So... Uh, that's coming up in two weeks. Um, there will be a lunch, a big lunch celebration that'll be a little bit fancy because it's the, uh, the 30th year anniversary. And so um, if you've been paying attention to uh, the emails you've been getting or the Discord group or the... Um, uh, <laughs> People making jokes in the chat, but I'll I'll leave it at that. All right. Um, and so uh, if um, if you've been paying attention to the emails or to the Discord group or for the Facebook group, um, there's a link to register because we need a head count for how many people are going to be here, just so we know how much food to prepare. But the lunchtime celebration will take place uh, around noon or whenever our service ends that day. So very exciting. That's two weeks from now. Please RSVP for lunch. Uh, second quick announcement: um, we're having a meeting today day for the youth group Mexico trip. Um, so if you're interested in going, please meet in the library at 1230. And we'll have a quick meeting to talk about the Mexico trip for this summer. All right, um, I want to begin today by reading our passage. Sometimes we'll do a bit of um, some kind of introduction to uh, lead us into it, but today I want to get right into the verses that we're going to read. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to the book of 1 John and we'll be looking at a couple verses in chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 to 14. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go there. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. Um, and it'll also be up here on the screen. And it says this. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that instructs us in so many different ways. And God, we thank you for this passage as well. I pray that it will be encouraging to us to help us to see uh, what is going on in the midst of our spiritual lives right now, what we have to look back on and to be thankful for, and what we also have to look forward to. Um, God, and I pray that as we consider these words we've just read, 
that it will give us great perspective, but also great purpose for how you are leading us in our lives. And so I pray that you would be opening our hearts um, to receive these words, these precious words that are meant to encourage us this morning. So we thank you for this time. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so how did we end up reading these couple verses? Um, our Vertigo group, uh, our young adult group that meets on Wednesday nights, we have been studying the book of 1 John for several months now. And this is a passage we did about a month ago, uh, but I don't mind preaching on it because that night there was only like five of us there, so we get like a nice little um, review. But um, to give you kind of some uh, background or like behind the scenes of what was going on, um, we, you know, we tend to have a team of people who take turns leading Bible study on Wednesday night. And when I knew we were doing First John, when I saw these three verses, my main thought was, please let someone else lead that week. I don't want to like, it's just a, it's a list of like different like age groups, like children and fathers and young men. Like, what are we supposed to make of this? I really hope someone else is leading that night. But of course, the way the calendar fell, it was, it ended up that I was leading Bible study on this passage. And even though I really didn't want to, I'm really thankful for that because as I studied it in my own, like uh, the afternoon of just to kind of prepare for it. And when I read some uh, just writings from other pastors and commentators on this passage, I found myself deeply encouraged. And so I hope that we will today. Um, if you've been joining us, you know that we've been uh, going through our church theme, uh, which is do not be anxious about anything. And it comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. And I think this section, this message to these different groups of people that John is writing, can give us great perspective on where we're at and also purpose of where we're going. And we see this. Um, in this passage, we see different groups that John is writing to. And in a moment, we're going to dive right into trying to identify uh, who these groups are. And I don't think it's actually that hard for us to understand, but we need to uh, just to, but we want to kind of uh, get some perspective on what we see here. So we see three groups of people, children, fathers, and young men. And when we think about um, labels for different groups of people, like a child or a father, like that can take on great meaning. Um, when I was in youth group, uh, by the time I was either a freshman or sophomore, most of the older ones had kind of disappeared, and I was the oldest one, even though I was a freshman. And so when I came back in college and would help out as a counselor, the youth group at the time decided to give me the nickname Grandpa Dan, even though I was like not even 21 years old. And I thought, wow, this is unfortunate. I'm being looked upon as an old man already. And in many ways, that, uh, that kind of vibe has never left. Um, here's how wild it was. They actually, like, when I was, like, it, it stuck. And then after a couple of years, when I came back from, like, I was my senior year in college, I came home for Christmas. And they, like, gave me this big box as a Christmas present, like the current youth group members. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. They got me, like, this big Christmas present. And I opened it up. And I kid you not, it was a big cane that they got me for Christmas. And just to like perpetuate that name. Um, but when you think about that term, like for me as a 20 or 22 year old, like being called Grandpa Dan was like, you know, mildly offensive. And I was like, why are you guys calling me this? Um, but then when I think of my own grandparents and when I think of that label, like Grandpa or Grandma, for my one, um, for my one grandparent who is still living, like I haven't seen her, my grandma, from um, before the pandemic, and I'm hoping to get to go visit her um, soon. And I, I really miss her because of the just the ways that um, 
she's had a big impact on my life. And just that, that label, like grandma, can mean a lot more than just like the word at face value. And so could it be that John has that in mind as he is writing to these different groups of people, to the children, to the fathers, and to the young men? And so um, when we interpret God's word, uh, we want to use kind of the author, we want to use the clues that the author gives us to really understand what's going on. Part of why I didn't want to lead Bible study on this passage was like, what does this mean that he's writing like to children and to fathers and young men in the midst of all of the other really good but also really dense encouragements that John gives to his audience? And we're going to see the context of the book of First John as a whole in a moment. Um, but really, when we see these different titles, children, fathers, and young men, they are meant to symbolize something that can help us understand what John is trying to say. And in order to do this, we're going to have to see that though we're used to thinking of children as a certain age and under, or fathers as someone who physically has a child, John is speaking spiritually here. What he's trying to show us is we have different titles for people in our lives, parents, children, young, old, whatever, all these different titles that we might have. And John is saying within the body of Christ, within the family of God, there are also spiritual stages to our growth. Now, the point is not to say that one is superior to another. I think there are very specific messages that John has for all of the members of the churches that he is writing to at this time. And so this morning, we need to, to understand this. We want to think spiritually, not humanistically or naturally, but to see why does John write a certain message to those he calls children? Why does he write a certain message to those he calls fathers? And so on. And so when you really break this down, you see three couplets of verses. From verses 12 to 14, there are two sentences addressed to the children, two sentences addressed to the fathers, and two sentences addressed to the young men. And so I think if we're going to think spiritually about this, just go with me on this. John uses the phrase children many times in the book of 1 John. And the reason he's doing that is he's trying to show the close relationship that he feels towards all of the believers that he's writing to in the churches um, that he is addressing. But if in this one section there are two mentions to each of these groups, we have to see that perhaps each one has its own meaning and that this section is really meant to show us there are different stages of spiritual life within a believer's life. And so would it make sense to us just from, and this is why I was scared of this passage and I didn't want to lead Bible study on it, but once I actually started to think about it, both logically, but also using the help of, of some great uh, Christian um, thinkers and writers who have come before, um, really what you could say is the children that he's writing to are those who are new believers or those young in their faith. The fathers are the ones who have known God, had a relationship with God for quite some time. And the young men are somewhere in between where they are experiencing what it's like to grow in their faith. They're not in the new believer stage, but they're, they're growing and uh, trying to grow closer to God and experience more of what he has in store for them. And so does it make sense that just at face value, if we could see that, that perhaps this is probably, in, in my opinion, and many other, uh, it's not just mine, I kind of stole it from uh, other pastors that I've seen preach on this on this passage or other Christian writers and commentators before. But it makes sense that John is writing to three different groups within the body of Christ. Young believers, longtime believers, and growing believers. 
I believe for all of us that are here today, whether we're in this room or joining us virtually, I think that this passage, uh, I, I think there are four categories that every single one of us falls into. And I will talk about that and how this might, um, how this might pertain to us as we, as we kind of dig into this a little bit deeper. Um, Peter Chen says in the chat, then what did they call Greg? Hold that thought, Peter. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Greg was there when we studied this passage, and he was quite helpful, um, giving us some perspective from a spiritual father point of view. So we will get there. That's point number two. Just hang on for that. What is the context that John is writing? We've been mainly looking at the epistles um, as we've been in our Do Not Be Anxious series, and those are letters written by Paul. And so just because we haven't, if you if you're not in vertigo, you haven't been reading like the book of First John, and we, in order to understand what the passage is saying, we really need to have the context uh, nailed down so we can understand why John is writing what he is. So the, some of the context of the book of First John, this was written quite some time after Paul's letters. Um, Commentators estimate is somewhere in the 95 to 110 AD range, making it one of the later letters of the New Testament. And that's actually really important um, for reasons I'll explain in a moment. Um, but John was likely writing to a network of churches, like house churches, around the Ephesus area. So Paul had written his letter to the Ephesians several years prior to this. Most of Paul's letters were um, quite a bit, a couple decades before we see this letter written um, that John is writing. And so because it's one of the later letters, the church had been established for a little bit longer. Ideas had become solidi had solidified a little bit, but that also meant there were new ideas that people were kind of exploring where the start people were starting to get into tr uh, getting away from the truth and getting into certain heresies that were not uh, that were not healthy for the body of Christ. For example, um, a, a big uh, a big um, challenge for um, in the thought that was going on was some people would say there's a division between your body and your spirit. And so if your body sinned, your true spiritual identity was your spiritual side. So therefore, the sins that you committed weren't that big a deal because that was just your human body and that wasn't your spiritual side. And you could see how maybe by interpreting certain things that, that were taught, you could make a jump to get there. But John is writing to show that that is not the case. And knowing the truth and knowing how important it is to understand forgiveness, but also obedience is going to be important in the life of the church as the church progresses. And there were also people leaving and criticizing the church for various reasons. And so that is why John finds it very important to write this group of letters. This is the first of three letters that he writes um, to the network of churches around Ephesus at this time. And really his main point of writing this is to show that true faith comes from obedience to Jesus. You can't just say, well, that was just part of who I am, so you know what I do doesn't really matter that much. He is saying that true faith comes from knowing God and living out the commands that God has given his people. And I think this is very helpful when it comes to uh, our series of what it means to not be anxious. And what we're going to see here is that as John addresses these different groups, hopefully it helps give us some purpose 
I imagine for many of us, sometimes our anxieties come from chasing after different things that are trying to give us purpose and meaning in our lives. But I think as we dig into what these three, uh, what these three messages to these three groups uh, are given to by John, I think as we dig into this, hopefully it gives us some purpose. And I'm really thankful for this because it gives us a chance to kind of see how this really relates to our church vision and mission, which we always want to come back to. I don't know that we've talked about it in a while, um, but hopefully as we are reminded of what our church mission and vision are, that this can help us see how to have a very clear purpose in our lives and how that might help us uh, not be anxious about all the many different things that might exist in our lives. So these are the three things that we're going to see as John addresses these three groups. To the spiritual youth, he talks about the importance of the forgiveness of sins and knowing the Father. Those are the two things he says to the spirit to the to the little children or to the spiritual youth. Secondly, to the fathers, he talks about a deep relationship and trust of God over time. And then finally, we're going to see to the young men, there is this encouragement to persevere. And so first, what is this message that he gives to the spiritual youth or to the spiritual children as he talks about this forgiveness of sin and knowing the father? Now, why we can identify these three groups as different like spiritual life stages, if you will, not in, in terms of physical age, um, but uh, we see this as there are two specific instructions given to each group. So in order to do this, we want to see how the groups that John is writing to, um, there are two messages that are written spanning verses 12 to 14. So for the spiritual youth, he says this in verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And then secondly, two verses later, he says, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. If he gives these two ideas to the same group of people, clearly both of them have to have great importance and meaning. And so the first thing, when he says, dear children, if we are thinking spiritually about the identification of these groups, as I said before, we, we can safely assume that John is addressing new believers or young believers, those who are very early in their spiritual journey. And the first encouragement that he gives them is to remind them that their sins are forgiven. And that makes sense when you think about the basic of kind of the basics of Christianity, that the gospel message is that we were dead in our sins and we were in need of forgiveness. And God, through his great love, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for our sins so that we might be forgiven. And so the forgiveness of sins is fundamental to any believer, any believer's kind of thinking, but especially if you are a young believer. And I think that's true because for all of us in this room, um, like I said, I think we all fall, fall into one of four categories that this, um, that this passage suggests, and I'll kind of talk more about that as we go on. Um, but if you can think back to when you became a believer, I think most people in this room fall into the third category, but we'll get there. Um, if you can think back to when you became a new believer and the peace and the joy of knowing that your sins were forgiven. I think that was a great feeling for many of us. Why? Because the forgiveness of sins is fundamental to what it means to know who God is. And that's the second thing he says to the children, but uh, we'll get there in a moment. Have you ever experienced what it's like to be deeply forgiven by someone in your life? 
even outside of your relationship with God, but have you experienced deep forgiveness? Because if you have, you know that it feels so much better than anything else that I think this earth has to offer us. Um, one time, a couple of my friends and I, we were just hanging out and we were joking around about a bunch of stuff. And in our joking, uh, I forget exactly what I said, um, but I kind of like shared something that was very personal to this friend of mine um, that really hurt him in that moment. And after I said it, I realized, wow, that was the wrong thing to say. It was incredibly insensitive. It was kind of some, uh, it was regarding something he had shared with me about kind of his personal life and things that he was struggling with. And then just because sometimes I have a big mouth, I just kind of blurted it out at the wrong time. And I felt terrible after that. And later on, I called him to apologize and say, hey, that was really messed up on my part. Like, I don't, I, like, I don't know. I think I was just trying to make people laugh, but I didn't consider how, like, how hurtful that would be. And though it was, uh, and I, I won't forget his response. I don't remember what he said word for word. But even though he said, yes, that was, it was very painful um, for me to experience that. But because our God has loved us, like, I can forgive you. That was really powerful because there is something incredibly powerful about forgiveness. If we don't value forgiveness, then we are really not experiencing the core part of God's being, our Savior, the forgiver of sins. Um, this is a good time to see how this verse, these instructions to the little children here, tie in with our church's vision. Um, if you've come to our church for quite some time, you hopefully you know our church vision by heart. I will spare us the time where I try to make us all guess what it is or remember, but we'll just look at it. The church vision that we've had for upcoming now 30 years as we celebrate in a couple weeks is this, and it's based off of Luke 4, 18 and 19, but it simply is described in one phrase, that broken and captive people will be healed and set free in Christ Jesus. At the end of the day, that's what we want to be about as a church, that we would be experiencing what it feels like to be set free because we no longer have to be bound to our sins because we are forgiven by who God is and what he's done for us. And that's really important. That's fundamental to the Christian life. And I think that's why John is writing this as an instruction to the little children. Now, if he writes two ideas, they both must be of great importance. And so the second one is to know the Father. He says this in verse 14. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. And so to know the Father, I think, relates back to the first thing that he says, is to know that as a Savior, God wants to forgive us. He loves us so much. That's why he would send Jesus to this, to this earth. And so when I think about when I can look back and say, when did I first kind of be, when did I first become aware of the relationship that I had with God as my father? I think back to uh, one of the youth retreats that I went to in high school. And I had been coming to our church on Friday nights on and off, um, but the church that I previously attended with my family on Sundays, I hadn't been in, in a long time. And if you've heard me share some of my testimony about that time, it's been a while, so I'll rehash it a little bit. But um, at that time when I was in high school, I was playing for a club hockey team and all of our practices were Sunday mornings. And one thing that happened as a result of that is I had a close friend who uh, lived on my street that was on the same team. And, and one day after practice, he asked, 
asked me, he said, Dan, isn't it weird that we practice on Sundays? Because doesn't your, don't you always go to church with your family? But as a 15-year-old who just wanted to fit in with all my friends, I said, oh, no, that's, that's, like, that's my family's thing. But I don't believe in God. I don't want to go to church. I'd rather be here playing hockey with you guys. And that wasn't entirely true. Like, I can look back and see there were ways where I still, like, part of me still believed in God and wanted to know him more. But I was also very swayed by how people might view me in the moment. And so, like, and my friend who asked me this, he actually gave me a chance. He would, he said, like, no, I think it's cool when people actually have some kind of religious conviction. Like, I think it's great, like, if that's a part of your life. But I, in order to fit in with the team, I didn't want to admit that I actually knew, knew who God was or went to church. And then I went home feeling terrible. It's like, I figured, okay, I only need one more denial to catch up to Peter, and then I'll know how Peter felt. But when I read that passage, that's what always comes back from my mind. And when, even though I wasn't really sold on going to that retreat, when Greg got me to go, I remember feeling this overwhelming sense of, God is not disappointed in me. He's not holding it against me that I would like lie about my own faith or that I didn't want anything to do with him, at least as I described it to my friends but I felt loved and accepted and forgiven when I went to this retreat. And that was the time where I think knowing the Father really became real to me. And so while I would not describe myself as a spiritual child when it comes to these groups anymore, I need to look back on this because sometimes I forget the importance of forgiveness. And wherever you are at in your spiritual journey, I think there is always great joy in looking back on when you first met Jesus and being reminded of how in that moment when you came to know him, it wasn't just that you had this sense that God was with you, but that you were also forgiven for all of the wrongdoing that you've done in your life and how important that is, how fundamental that is to knowing who God is. And I know I need to look back on this because sometimes I forget that God is forgiving me over and over again. That's who he is. That's what he's about. Now, if that is fundamental to what it means to believe in God, to be a, a young child in the faith, to know that you're forgiven, and to learn what it means to know the Father, then we also want to see, well, where are we going? Where are we going to grow into? Now, I thought about leaving the fathers to the end, um, because there's like this progression, right? Children, young men, and then the fathers. But um, I, last time I preached, I said I was breaking a rule that my preaching professor gave me where you're supposed to go in order that the biblical author did to respect what he's saying. So I'm going to do that this time. I'm not going to break that rule two sermons in a row. So um, what we see here then, and why I think John would write first to the children, but then to the fathers, and then come back to the young men, is he's trying to paint a picture of where you you are going in your faith, where you are going to get to, what you are going to experience. If the forgiveness and knowing the Father is fundamental to knowing who God is and part of the early stages of spiritual growth, this is the kind of the end result of what it means to have a deep relationship with God and trust Him over time. And this is the instruction that's given to the spiritual fathers, and we see this in the second couplet. At the start of verse 13, John says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And then in verse 14, he says almost the exact same thing. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. In the first couplet, in the instructions to the children, it talks about the forgiveness of sins and knowing the father 
two things that are both extremely important. But it would stand to reason that if the fathers are addressing those who have known God for quite some time, they are more experienced in their relationship with God, it makes sense that he would only have one piece of a message for them. Now, why is it the same? It's the same because for the spiritual fathers, those who have been walking with God for some time, they have been through it. They have seen a lot of things. They have experienced what it means to be forgiven. They know what it means to know the Father. And so you, they can go deeper in, into their trust with God and their relationship with God to know Him who is from the beginning. Uh, it was great to have Daniel come and preach with uh, preach to us last week uh, after coming back from his sabbatical, and uh, I think he mentioned it in his sermon. But he's also mentioned it to me multiple times when I've met up with him since the birth of their new baby baby boy Toby. That being a father gives gives him a brand new perspective on life. That those of you who in this room are parents, you have been through that as well. And so, though he is very sleep deprived at this moment, you can see it is a huge piece of God's wisdom that has been granted to him. And you see that when, when you have a child, suddenly there are new problems and new struggles that you have to experience that you have to persevere through. And so what does that mean then for someone who is considered a spiritual father? Like they have seen all kinds of things. And there's a, there's a more literal meaning to that that we'll come back to in a moment. But what does it mean that when John says, for you spiritual fathers, you know him who is from the beginning. What does John mean by that? If we go back to the first chapter, in the first two verses of the book of First John, chapter 1, this is what it says. This is how he starts this letter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and has appeared to us. Now, though John is uh, writing this letter towards the end of when all of the New Testament was written, certainly John was someone who had seen Jesus up close, and, and he knew that not only was he this, was he, had he seen him in the flesh, but he knew as the Son of God, he knew that he has been there from the beginning. Where do we get this idea? If it's the same author, and you can tell like stylistically that the Gospel of John and the, and the epistles of John are written by the same author, you see the same kind of language about knowing him who was there from the beginning in the first four verses of the Gospel of John. Let's read those real quick. In John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, a very famous passage that requires some deep thinking when we think about God, theology, like spiritual history, like that God's been there from the beginning of time. John says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And so even in the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus, the Son of God, brings life. And there's this huge theme of light that exists in both the Gospel of John and the Epistles of John, where we see that this identity of being the Son of God, not just when he came to this earth, but since the beginning of time, 
is core to who Jesus is. And so when John says, you fathers, you know him who is from the beginning, it is showing this deep relationship with God, but also this deep understanding that Jesus, the Son of God, is not just this man who came as a human, like, you know, during the time period that he did, but that he's been around since the beginning of time. And we see that from the writings of John. And it helps us understand this is the true identity that Jesus has as the Son of God. And so you see this deep trust, but also knowledge of who God is that these spiritual fathers have. Now, when you think of the word father, like literally what it means is you've brought a child into this world, right? And so when you think about that then from a spiritual perspective, what that means is if you are a spiritual father, and it could be a mother also, like he's writing to the church, he's not writing to one gender here, and that's important to be said, but when you talk about what it means to be a spiritual parent, it means you have brought someone into a new birth. Now, it doesn't mean that you were the one who saved them or you were the one who forgave their sins. Clearly, that's what God does. But this is why when, I've th when I'm thinking about this passage, I'm not quite sure if I qualify as a spiritual father yet. And I'll say more about that in a moment. Um, but what it really means is if a father has helped bring a child into this world, then spiritually what that means is you have played a substantial role in helping someone come to experience the forgiveness of sins and knowing the father that John has talked about to the spiritual children. And that's what it means to be a spiritual father. Um, I remember going to a Christian camp that I was asked to help out with um, when I was just starting seminary. And at that time, I had this idea in my mind that in order to be a true Christian, like I needed to actually like lead someone to Christ, like say the like sinner's prayer with them. And I, when I thought about it, I thought I've been going to church for many years. I was the president of my, my college's like campus fellowship, but have I actually led anyone to Christ? Now there were some really unhealthy parts to why I had this expectation of myself. Like I felt like God would love me more if I would do that. Um, but I remember going into this camp praying like, God, like, I really want to help lead someone to Christ and experience what that feels like. I've been able to like be a part of the body of Christ in a lot of ways, but that's a part of like what we see in, in church or in ministry that I haven't experienced yet. And so I remember like I was asked to give one of the gospel messages for this camp of kids, and they were kindergarten to fifth grade. So looking back on it, I'm not quite sure what I was really expecting when I was praying this prayer. And so, but I was thinking like, God, I've prayed about this. It's something I want to experience. Like when I do like an altar call, like I want to see a hand go up. Like, can you do that for me, God? So I actually get to experience this. And so I think God, you know, having a giant sense of humor, like I worked really hard on this gospel presentation and like how to tailor it for like kindergartners to like fifth graders. And I thought, okay, I've actually got some pretty good stories and I'm trying to make it relevant to the kids. And I thought I did a pretty good job of it. And of course, you probably know where the story's going. Like when I had everyone bow their heads and ask, does anyone want to like, make Jesus their Lord and Savior. I was waiting for those hands to come, and nothing came. Now, 
reflecting back on this time, I've learned there's way more to knowing Jesus and following Jesus than simply raising your hand or standing up or walking to the front of a church service. And I'm thankful that I've been able to learn more about that. But afterwards, it was interesting because as I was feeling extremely disappointed in that moment, later on during the lunchtime, the guy who was, um, my friend who was organizing the camp who invited me to come and help, um, he said, hey, there's one kid who wants to talk to you afterwards. And it was really interesting because I remember he said, like, I wanted to raise my hand, but I don't know why, but I felt really scared in that moment. But I do want, like, Jesus to be my savior. Now, here's the thing about, like, having that desire or expectation of myself. I've never seen this boy since, like, 2006. Like, I have no idea what's going on in his life. And, like, I think God had a sense of humor of how he wanted to use that time. Um, but really, like, you know, I've actually seen many hands go up in past times, like ever since then, like when I've gone to other evangelistic places, especially at uh, Bret Hart in the Campus Life group. Some of you who have attended, you know, we used to do like altar call type things where we would say, does anyone want to be a Christian? And I've seen hands go up. But really what this I think is speaking of is a spiritual father is someone who plays an active role in helping someone understand what it really means to be forgiven and what it really means to know the Father. And I think I've done many things in my life to try to help point people to that. But it's like when it comes to like having a spiritual child, if we're using the language of John, that's something that I still want to experience in my relationship with God. And so I don't think the point of this passage is to like, you know, strictly say like, am I this or am I that? But it really makes me think, what is the purpose of life about? And that's where it's a good time to remember what our church mission is. If our church vision is that people would be healed, broken people and broken and captive people would be healed and set free, how do we do that? This is the mission statement of our church. And it's this, making disciples who have had their lives changed by God and sending them out. And what that means is at the heart of everything that we do, our vision is that we want to see broken people healed and experiencing the forgiveness of who God is. But how we do that is through discipleship. Now, when I worry about uh, what ministry looks like in the pandemic, which if you were to see my inner thought life is quite often, very often it shows me that what, what ministry is really about is making disciples and finding people who are passionate about helping people experience the forgiveness and the relationship with the Father that John has previously spoken about. And this is such, that's why like, I'm so thankful that even though I didn't want to, that I got to lead Bible study on this passage, because it reminds me of what our true mission is. And if we've been struggling with anxiety, as we've been talking about what it's like to be anxious and how to not be anxious about things, perhaps we are anxious about many things that are not the purpose that God wants us to have, that really at its core, it's to make disciples. We worry about school, our jobs, our relationships. We worry about all these things. And by no means am I saying they're not important. But that's why I'm so thankful that is our church mission, because it reminds us of what our ultimate purpose is. And a spiritual father is someone who has given birth to someone who's able to share that same passion. And, and I can't, this is where I'm not sure like where I fall under in this list, because it's like, you know, do I know anyone who I've actively discipled who is now doing the exact same thing? And maybe I'm just not thinking about it hard enough. And maybe that's not the point. But 
But it's really, I think it would be really amazing to think about what it would be like for someone that we would disciple who would go and then be able to do the same thing. When I think of how much reverence I have for my grandmother and how much joy, when I've talked to people who have become grandparents, uh, like how much joy they have in seeing their grandchildren, there's something really amazing about it from a physical, just human perspective. And I think there is something that could be so incredibly powerful to look forward to if we were to ask, our que- ask ourselves the question, what would it be like to have spiritual grandchildren like around? Where it's like people that we've discipled would then go on to do the same thing. I think that's the heart of why our church mission is what it is. And perhaps in the many different battles of life, we forget that. But the fathers don't need to be reminded of that. He simply says, you know him who is from the beginning. Finally, we come to the spiritual young man, which is where I think many of us fall under. Um, there, I, th- I believe there are people in this room um, who have discipled people who have like come to do the exact thing that they've been doing. And this is where I would point to Greg as a great example, um, just because like... You know, when I look back on, uh, I was joking with Enoch last summer when we were packing up all the equipment to go to our youth retreat um, that was in the CCIC Cupertino parking lot. And I don't know why my mind came to this. I was like tired. We had just like loaded up all the equipment in his car. And then I looked at Enoch and I was like, man, Greg was my age when he did this like every Friday night. And one Friday of this is like making me like wish I had never been born. Like I'm so tired right now. How did he do this year after year after year? But I would hope, I would hope for as much as I talk about Greg in sermons, I would hope that he has great memories of the time he spent in youth group because Greg actually discipled many of my friends who are now in ministry. And that is probably such a great joy to see people who have come through our youth group before. And so like in some ways, I'm happy to consider myself Greg's spiritual child in that regard, and then it's time to give him spiritual grandchildren in some sense. But I think that's like that's the amazing thing of like how we can make sense of these different groups that John is talking about. So finally, when it comes to the spiritual young men, we saw in the spiritual children, there is like two messages, forgiveness of sins, knowing the Father. And for the spiritual fathers, it says the same thing. Because there's just this one thing that he wants to remind them of or just be thankful that that's a part of who they are. The message to the spiritual young men is kind of similar with a couple things thrown in there. He says in verse 13, I write to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. That's the crux of what he's saying to the young men. But then in verse 14, he says, I write to you young men, and he adds in this phrase, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And then the same thing he says in verse 12, and you have overcome the evil one. And what this shows us is if you understand that you have been forgiven of your sins, the encouragement to the spiritual children, if you know the Father, then the next step that you get to experience is you get to experience victory over the evil one. Now, I don't think this means that you experience that all the time. That's not what John says. But I think he's also giving them a reminder, hey, when the spiritual battles and the spiritual warfare come up, as you progress to the stage where you have this deep trust of him who is from the beginning, there will be trials, trial after trial after trial that you're going to experience. But you can know that you are strong and that the word of God lives in you. And if you're not sure if you have this deep trust in who God is, which I think describes many of us, myself included many times, we need every reminder 
possible to remember if you believe in God, if you have made him your savior, if you know he's forgiven you, if you have a relationship with him, then you can trust and believe that you are strong. And where is that coming from? It's coming from the word of God that lives in you. And that's what the young men need to hear as different battles take place in their lives. And so hopefully we can see that this is a very interesting uh, construction of what John says in these passages as he writes to these three different groups. I'd love to say more about the young men, but for the sake of time, hopefully we can see that that is the in-between stage and they need reminders over and over again to know that they are strong, that the word of God lives in them. If you are not sure you would describe yourself as a spiritual father or someone who's like actively discipled someone, the point of this is not to say, how come I'm not there yet? That's not the point. John is writing to the whole church to encourage the whole group. Like growth takes time in many ways. And yet he's writing to these three different groups to encourage them at the stage that they're at. But if wanting to disciple someone, to experience like what it means to know that you're forgiven, to know the Father, is something that you want to do, it's something that you don't feel like you've done in your life, but it's a place that you want to get to, which I think should be the goal for all of us. What God is calling us to do is to experience his relationship and his strength with us as we fight all the different battles that come before us. And I'm sure there have been many during this period of the pandemic. It's been a weird time. It's worn on our mental health. It's worn on some of our physical healths in many different ways. And there is battle after battle to be fought. And if you are growing in your faith, you need the reminder and the encouragement to know that you are strong, that the word of God lives in you. If there's a battle that you're fighting today that you're struggling with, you're, you're, you're assured of the sense that God has forgiven you of your sins and that you have a relationship with God, but you're struggling to see like what that means for your current circumstances. There isn't a specific answer that I think you need other than to say, you are strong and God's word lives in you. And that's what he gives those who are spiritual young men, those who are on their way to being spiritual fathers. And so when we think about these different groups, um, I think there are some ways that we can live this out this morning. That leads us to application. It says, and I think um, I think there's good value in being honest at uh, being being honest about what stage we might be in, because I don't think John's purpose is to just say, "Hey, how come you guys aren't all spiritual fathers yet?" It's something that he wants everyone to get to, but he's trying to show if this if you are a new believer, here are some things that can really help you right now. If you are growing in your faith and you want, you want to be someone who can play a big role in discipling someone else, here are some things for you to think about. And we could be honest about what stage we're in, but when we understand and identify these three different groups that John is writing to, I think there's a lot of encouragement that we can draw from the three different reminders, regardless of where we're at right now. And so, I th and what I mean by that is to say, even if you don't consider yourself a new believer, and I don't think that's too many people in this room, don't forget about the power of forgiveness of sins and what it really means that at our core we have a relationship with God. I'm learning the joy of what it means to know that God is with me moment by moment. I wish I experienced that more because I very often forget. But that, is, that encouragement to the new believers is something that even now, though I've been walking with God for many years, that I need to hear over and over again. 
And this also means we can look forward to where we might be someday in having a deeper relationship with God. And when I look at the mentors in my life and, and I see the deep trust that they have of him who is there from the beginning, I can look at it and say, wow, God wants to lead me to get to that point in a way where it's something I can be excited about and not to feel condemned by, how, hey, how come I'm not there yet? But something I can look forward to say, this is the growth and the patience that God is like building in me that I can experience someday, that I can aspire to be a spiritual father someday, even if I am not at this point. And finally, we can rely on his strength to win the current battles that we are facing in our lives right now. I said, I think all of us in this room and here on the Zoom room as well, I think we all fall into one of four categories, the three that are here. But if, if you're not sure if this applies to any of you, I would say the real test is to say, do I really believe that God has forgiven me of my sins? And if you are in a fourth category where you might say, I really don't know if I have a relationship with God, there's nothing wrong with that. But perhaps God has you here this morning for a reason to think about what it looks like, what these different stages of growth look like in the body of Christ so that you might be able to know him who is from the beginning. And so as we live our lives, I hope that we can look at those who are mature spiritually in our lives and not to look at them in a sense of comparison and to say, how come I'm not there yet? But to say, wow, that's something I, God is going to help me experience at some point. And it can also give us great perspective in the midst of the battles we might be facing right now. And though I did not want to lead a Bible study on this passage, I'm so thankful that we actually got to have great conversation about it and to see why does John write to these three different groups and how can that encourage us in our lives. And I pray that that has been an encouragement for us this morning. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that no matter where we are at spiritually, God, you give us a picture of encouragement that we can look towards just to be able to experience um, what you've done in our lives, but also where you might be leading us. God, I pray that we would trust the encouragements that we see here in your word. God, that we would press on to know you more, to remember that you forgive us unconditionally in the moments that we forget and in the moments that we fall short. And God, that we can look forward to sharing that joy with others. God, if we have been purposeless in this weird season of our world's history, or if we've been following the wrong purposes and struggling with earthly, earthly, uh, earthly pursuits, God, I pray that we would see that the vision of having spiritual children and grandchildren and sharing with others the good news of what it is like to walk with a loving and living God over and over again, that that would be our main goal. That we would deeply desire to be a part of helping people see that they are forgiven, that they can be healed, that they can be set free. And Lord, that that is something that you want to uh, just build into the fabric of our lives, not to be a part of our lives, but that we would deeply desire to see others be healed and set free. And that that would be what our lives are ultimately about. God, we thank you for your word and the wisdom that it gives us. And we just ask, God, that we would um, just be able to hear these truths and put them into practice in our lives. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.